0: Hey everybody, welcome to AmateurCast, where the show where we act like we know what we're talking about. My name is Sebastian Limon, and I am joined with Koby Lippes. Yo, yo, yo. And not Alex Papke, because unfortunately, Alex Papke has passed away. Uh, Mm -hmm. She did not pass away because of the coronavirus. She slipped on a banana peel and (laughs) hit her head.
1: Yeah, she was standing at the top of a staircase. It was a very long flight of stairs.
0: How unfortunate. Um, it was I had hilarious. accidentally left
1: my banana peel there. Um, <laughs> yeah. At the bottom of the staircase, a piano and an anvil fell from the sky <laughs> and landed on her head.
0: And birds were <laughs> flying over the mm-hmm. uh, the entire...
1: And then this roadrunner came in. It was wacky. It,
0: it said, like, meep meep or something? <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness... Um, She wasn't able to join the episode for today Um, That doesn't mean she's out Obviously for the entire series She just wasn't able to join Uh, Whether she'll be able to join in the future We will see, let's hope so Um, Whether it be the two of us Or someone else joins We will see also But um, just wanted to let you know um, Why it's just Me and Colby for right now And also it's clear that We haven't released an episode in quite some time Uh, for numerous reasons really Uh, not to get too personal or to get into details but I guess uh, I wasn't feeling it for a while Um, but it wasn't because I didn't like what we were doing it was just more of different issues and after realizing part of this made me happy and just need to shake it off mainly because of the pandemic. I feel like the pandemic has really affected everybody in a different way. And for me, I really got fatigued for a long time. And it's like, yeah, no, you got to shake that off. So and uh, in terms of PAPS, no idea. But yeah, let's see. Hopefully in future episodes, she'll join us. Yeah, but Uh, um... life
1: kind of happened. And we got off track for a couple weeks. But the plan is now we're back on to our bi-weekly schedule yes
0: exactly uh yeah so like i said in terms of us if it's just being us or we have someone else whether it be alex or anyone else we will see but we will return to the actual podcast bi-weekly
1: maybe we'll just have a huge rotating rotating cast of celebrity guest stars maybe
0: we'll have like 20 people (laughs) and so
1: you know i i've i've been uh emailing uh christopher nolan's agent to uh, get really? him on the show. Oh, to t- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he actually called me. He was like, Colby, it's me, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, I will be glad to be on your podcast, but do you use any CGI? And I was like, we use a little CGI. And then he hung up the phone. Oh, crap. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have told him that.
0: Bro, what's wrong with you? You should know that Christopher Nolan's into <laughs> practical effects.
1: I was like, I saw Inception, Chris. You did it, too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was so random. He
1: was like, I'm a changed man, I made Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: a changed man, okay? I know what I've done. Yeah,
1: so Christopher Nolan won't be on this podcast, but Not uh, anytime every soon. other Christopher will.
0: Yes. Yeah. Not Nolan. Maybe Pratt, Christopher Evans, Chris Pratt. Hemsworth. Christopher Pratt. It's is that his real name? Pratt. I don't even know. <laughs>
1: Christ- we're gonna get Columbus on the show. <laughs> <laughs> both both the film director and the sailor. Sir,
0: he's he's, he's <laughs> dead doesn't matter just see what you could do um speaking of christopher columbus we're gonna be talking about damien chazelle um <laughs> <laughs> not much
1: of a correlation there. not much of a correlation but, there
0: but um hey
1: christopher columbus kind of discovered america but not really uh-huh and damien chazelle made a movie about the guy who kind of discovered the moon but not really <laughs> there you go
0: oh segway, segway. Segway. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yes uh, we did it yeah, last episode we mentioned that we were going to be talking about the films of Damien Chazelle because of a particular show.
1: Oh yeah, so Damien Chazelle, last time we recorded was just coming out with his new show, The Eddie, and so uh, even though we're kind of behind on it now, it's been a couple of weeks.
0: A couple of uh, months. We
1: are going to be yeah, we're <laughs> going to be sharing our thoughts on The Eddie, which is a uh, a Netflix miniseries that you can watch right now. It's written by jack thorne i believe is his name Mm -hmm. and uh the first two episodes are directed by damien chazelle and then the rest of the series is executive produced by him so we're going to be delving into those first two episodes today Mm -hmm. uh because those are where we can really talk about damien's style and because we don't want to spoil the rest of the series for you we encourage you to go watch it because i think we both had pretty positive things to say about it overall
0: overall yeah for sure um i overall watched the entire series colby which ones did you see again
1: I'm still I'm still making my way through. Yeah. Uh, I believe I have one or two left. Okay. But uh, we're not going to be getting spoilers or anything today. No worries. We're just going to be talking about those first two episodes. Yeah. Uh, and kind of how they relate to Damien Chazelle's
0: other work. For sure. Um, overall, I think uh, definitely his style shines most in the first episode. I think mm-hmm. we kind of talked about this a little bit, like, the other day. How, like, all of the styles of, like the films that he's made like Whiplash, First Man and La La Land it feels like a culmination of all three into one which I Definitely. really really dug not just because of the jazz but the handheld use like in First Man yeah um the use of music and drama like in Whiplash and obviously like kind of like the balance between The reality of what what happens And how you can escape through music Like in La La Land, you know what I mean?
1: Right, yeah, I was gonna bring up the same thing Like the first time I watched the first episode It hit me like this is a perfect Like three, equally three-part mix Of his big three movies Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it's got that very intimate Authenticity of First Man That jazzy musicality of La La Land And that kind of gritty thriller style of uh, Whiplash
0: Yeah yeah um i really dug the first episode a lot uh i've been waiting for the show for a while for everyone who doesn't know damien giselle is like my favorite director working today uh not of all time i would say that would probably be martin scorsese but um in terms of like right now and who i'm looking f- looking up to and looking forward to it's definitely damien giselle obviously we'll get mm-hmm. into detail why as the episode goes on but i was very much looking forward to the show but um yeah, I, I it felt very Casavetis and how the, the handheld shots of each uh but I just the intimacy of them playing the music. I love the opening shot where it's this one long take. Yeah, it's, it's almost did. like the long take in uh in Goodfellas when we go see the uh Oh when we're kind of yeah. seeing the uh, what do you call it, the the club as
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going through all the different gangsters and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's almost it's it's a great way to kind of introduce the place. That's um, mm-hmm. like this kind of grandiose one long take. That's not definitely too full of itself, not too showy, but it's like a great mix of introducing. Yeah, it, it
1: keeps that that very grounded authenticity to it because of how kind of close up, slight that kind of soft focus it has, that very shaky cam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I noticed that that's very a Damien thing because the first two episodes do that like 100 percent like there's not one shot that isn't handheld yeah um but the later episodes are kind of shot more conventionally so that's like a Mm -hmm. little a little flavor that damien brought i think
0: and i think no 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 apparently his episodes was the only one shot on 16 millimeter
1: interesting yeah and
0: because he's such a because netflix apparently doesn't want to use film for their original stuff and there's okay. exceptions, of course, like if you're Martin Scorsese, if you're Noah Baumbach, yeah. they, and if you're Damien Chazelle, so you can do whatever the heck you want. You know I'm what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're lesser known, like let's just say the Duffer Brothers with Stranger Things. Right. You're going to use the format, like this, this specific aspect ratio and yeah. shot on digital. I think red cameras, I think. I have no idea. But um, sure. yeah, I don't, I don't know if you could tell. I definitely could tell like in episode three. I'm like, this yeah. isn't film. But
1: I, I don't know if I noticed like, oh, this is digital, but it definitely had less of like a grainy film look than the first two.
0: Yeah, it was a different texture. Um, it was a different feel to it. For yeah. sure.
1: I think different episodes were fit well by different styles. Like I think the third episode was fit very well by the style it was in mm-hmm. uh, where it was shot a little bit more traditionally. Still a lot of shaky cam in there. Yeah. But just because that was kind of less of a gritty episode, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't, most of it at least wasn't like. In, this, in the streets of the nightclub. Yeah. Uh, like, the first two, it was mostly at um, at the house of one character. One character. Uh, and it was kind of like a party. Uh, that's a weird way of phrasing it. A weird it. way? I was <laughs> going to say that
0: was that a party? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it kind of turns into it a kinda party. It kind of
0: does turn into a party. But, like, I love I episode three. It. Oh, my God. There's yeah, episode a, there's a a, I, Without really spoiling anything, there's a moment in episode three where they kind of... The characters express how they feel through music. And you mm-hmm. really feel it like you see it in their faces as they play and how they perform and how the audience kind of reacts to again i'm being super vague right now but um it's really like i've seen it twice now each time it it makes me cry because like you're able to feel their emotions through what they play through the piano through the singing through the drums and it's like this Mm -hmm. is great like you are able to really like I I because that's like something that Damien does in all of his movies. He uses music as a way, like it's like how like music is very important in all of his movies in one way mm-hmm. or another. Even in First Man, where right. they use kind of like I mean,
1: music is self expression for Damien so. Yeah, for sure. Like that's his whole thing. It's it's music is just a, like a it's not a physical manifestation, but it's just like an outward expression of feelings like in all of his movies he uses the music that the characters play or listen to as a pretty like open door into what they're feeling
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it's it's just it brings out this crazy emotional response every time and like i think that's why his films feel so timeless even though like they have Mm -hmm. just come out recently they still feel classic and i think it's definitely a, a large part of it is because of the music that he uses
1: Mm -hmm. because it's so universal it's very universal music expresses feelings no matter what genre or time period like you get the the mood that he's going for and it's
0: classic music too but it's not like pure 1920s jazz either it's like yeah it's mixed
1: it's not an homage to a specific era
0: yeah I mean it's not like trying to replicate it if anything it's like I I would say it is paying more homage to it or homage whatever um Mm -hmm it makes him feel more timeless by p- taking stuff that is old but bringing it to the new. And so that's why I yeah, feel like definitely. every bit of his movies feels so timeless in that way. Especially the definitely. first like the few episodes that he that directed, like there's this great. Yeah.
1: If I I think it took me a little bit into the first episode to be like, "When exactly does this take place?" And then somebody pulled out an iPhone, and I was <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, sure." But it's like that kind of speaks to how I mean it doesn't super matter when this takes place. Like, it's a pretty uh, simple story that's kind of, I feel like, very universal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he, everything he makes has this, like, really timeless quality to it. That's really admirable, I think.
0: Yeah, I really also love that the fact that it takes place in modern Paris, like, in modern time. Because a lot mm-hmm. of, like, when people think of jazz clubs or jazz in Paris, they think of the nineteenth. 20s 30s 40s 50s you know what i mean like back in the day when it was like you know like midnight in paris stuff like that you know what i mean but and there's nothing wrong with that i absolutely love that aesthetic and like that time period but it's a different look at paris like it felt very like there have been there are moments in this series where it's like oh that kind of feels like mexico like you know what i mean like it feels it's a different aspect of paris that i never really sure i don't know pictured or because yeah, it's
1: not romanticized whatsoever. No,
0: it like that. Um, I feel like that's why the the grainy episodes, like the graininess of the the sixteen millimeter, really added a different layer of like yeah. authenticity rather than mm-hmm. the digital, which is a shame. But it's it's yeah it's whatever.
1: It's a little grittier, but like it feels like the part of Midnight in Paris that you don't get to see, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, because Midnight go. in
1: Paris is so, like it's 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 fun. It's but it's like the whole idea is you know this guy who just romanticizes Paris gets to go back to this, like, golden age and meet the poets and all this. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not what this is. This no. is jazz in a dying age, you know? Yeah, exactly. In a, in a city that that's kind of romantic facade is fading away. And I think that's what Damien Chiselle loves to do because he basically did the same thing with La La Land.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Um,
1: you know, jazz in a dying age. And that that does romanticize L.A. a little more than this, than this would with Paris. But even that's a pretty... They did a pretty good job being authentic with that one. It was a good... At least with, with Hollywood.
0: Yeah, it was a good balance between... Well, I mean, we'll mm-hmm. get into it, obviously, but it's a good balance between romanticizing it but realizing the reality of it, too. Yeah. Which, oh, I love that stuff. But um, Exactly. Yeah, um, but the show, though, <laughs> I, I I liked the characters for the most part. I I, I liked mm-hmm. how Elliot felt very... I mean, he's nowhere near Humphrey Bogart, but it felt very much like Casablanca where it's like we, we kind of meet him at his yeah. low point yeah that's a,
1: that's a good comparison
0: and uh he's always like he gives like this kind of sinister glare towards everybody. He's not like despicable or unlikable, but it's almost like to me it's like a how do I like a damaged artist, I guess or something like that like i don't I love stories like that, mm-hmm. like, especially like in Casablanca, where it's clear that. There's a past with this guy and you wanna to get to know more about why he is the way that he is. Yeah, Elliot I think is a
1: super engaging uh protagonist. Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: um I feel like you really feel for him and like, you know, he doesn't always make great decisions but you totally get where he's coming from and you like understand mm-hmm. his passion and what he's going through, especially in his relationship with his daughter. Yeah. Um and that actor is fantastic. I can't remember his name. Let me look it up. But I was just watching Moonlight last night, and I saw him, and I was like, "There's that guy. I know him from uh, from the
0: Eddie." Oh God, what's his <laughs> name? Um, Andre Holland, I think.
1: That yep, Andre Holland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's he's a he's a fantastic actor, and um, while I have the the cast pulled up, like Joanna Kulig as as oh, Maya, I'm and um, I'm gonna butcher this, but Layla bekti <laughs> as Amira, and actually. Um, One of my favorite performances in the first episode is uh, Tahar Rahim. Oh, Farid. Yeah, he was fantastic in the first episode. He's so fun and charismatic. He's really great. A great
0: counterbalance Um, between Elliot, who's a little more sour. Yeah, which and I think
1: I think his presence in the first episode really um, sets a good contrast with Elliot and really like sets a precedent for the way all of the other characters kind of feel and act throughout the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, I think he kind of kind of sets the cast, the rest of the cast in motion, and then they have to, um, you know, keep on with their character development uh, mm-hmm. through the rest of the series. I, th- I thought he did a really great job.
0: Yeah, besides, like, the nice handheld graininess and obviously the music, I think what really stands out are the performances in the show. The performances mm-hmm. are, like really good in the show like i didn't think they were going to be that great like uh, everything felt even
1: a lot of the really minor characters that don't kind of get the spotlight until later until the later episodes yeah
0: like the band members who are not actors yeah. they're like actual musicians are really? good in the show interesting yeah they're not yeah they're i not mean a actors. lot of them
1: in the first two episodes are like just in the background mm-hmm. like they don't have lines or really names and then later you get to an episode where they're the main character yeah and you're like where did this guy come from i love him yeah <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's, it's great it's great
0: uh, I, yeah,
1: um, it's wonderful, and Amanda uh, or Amandla Stenberg. Stenberg is that as Julie mentioned? as Elliot's daughter. Yeah, it's at least on uh, IMDb. That's what it says. <laughs> I might I might I'm probably butchering all these names.
0: We are sorry if but you're listening to this somehow. Please email yeah, us. Yeah, Amanda.
1: Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. You're really good in the Eddie. Yeah. I'm sorry I got your name wrong. <laughs> Tell your mom I'm sorry.
0: Tell your um, mom please. No, but um. Uh-huh what do you call it the uh if i were to say anything that's weak of the show it would probably be the thriller aspect of it like the okay. actual personal sure. and like i didn't hate it or i dislike it i just thought it was a big contrast like the to, kind
1: of police investigations. yeah
0: all that stuff um sure in terms of like it
1: definitely filled the time yeah well like it But also i i I did kind of feel like each episode could have been shorter
0: Mm -hmm. like this definitely could have worked as a movie i thought like i definitely could have like the best aspects of each episode could have worked into like this one great movie called Mm -hmm. the eddie by damien giselle um yeah i
1: agree with you there
0: but at the same time it's still like great to see like you mentioned earlier like like there's an episode, there are episodes that are dedicated to certain characters and you get to learn about them mm-hmm. and you kind of fall in love with them and you see yeah. why they are the way they are and stuff like that. And it's great stuff. But um, I feel like the strongest aspects of the show is are the characters' dynamics between each other and the music that they play and how mm-hmm. the Eddie is kind of like this escape for them, how it's like this one place where they come together and they feel free to express themselves to be themselves and um yeah i mean like i said like how we said with damien how all of his movies uses music in a certain way again this show uses music as a a way to kind of free yourself in my opinion but um as much as i could have i could see this working as a movie it's still Mm -hmm. cool to see it as a show and uh
1: yeah, I think it works well as a show. You get you get more details than you would in a in a shorter movie. Mhm. Um, but you were saying like if I had to pick something weak about it, it would probably be that it it can drag a little bit like in the middle of long episodes. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think because the episodes are long and it's a pretty like weighty kind of heavy show, uh because of that kind of thriller subplot you've got going on. Mhm. Um, It can, it's not a, it's not a binging show (laughs) like most Netflix shows. It can kind of, when you finish an episode, I don't feel like super hooked at the end of an episode. Like I've got to watch the next one now. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, all right, uh, I'll take a few days off and I'll come back to this in a bit. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily bad, but it's just the episodes I think could have been a little shorter and it might've just been a more kind of dynamic,
0: uh, show. That could seem bad because, like, everybody's like, "Oh, you gotta watch Stranger Things. You're you gonna binge it?" Because right. everybody, like, with Netflix, they have like, it, it's not a good show if you can't binge it. You know what I mean? If it's not binge worthy, right. you know what I mean? And that's not necessarily true for the Eddie. Uh, as much as I did feel that, I I had to binge it because it's Damien. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love you, and um, yeah. so I mean, it's not that it felt like a task or anything. Obviously, I I thoroughly enjoyed the show, but. Um, I can definitely see it turning people off. Like, this isn't for everybody, I can tell.
1: Definitely not. Definitely not. It's... I think anyone who's a Damien Giselle fan, who's, who's yeah. you yeah know, liked his previous stuff. If you just like La La Land, this is similar to La La Land, but a lot darker. Yeah. But if you like La La Land and First Man or Whiplash or all three, then this is definitely for you. If
0: you like music and jazz especially, you, you'll you yeah. probably get a kick out of it. Um uh, mm-hmm. And if you're definitely more into like avant-garde filmmaking, like if you appreciate mm-hmm. filmmaking, you'll get a kick out of it cuz it's very Cassavetes and very uh uh French New Wave and how like they use the camera as like almost mm-hmm. documentary. But um, We should
1: mention if you haven't seen the show, it's in French like half of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's yeah. kind of like half French, half English cuz it takes place in Paris. I feel like we talk about a lot of French stuff on this show. We've only had 3 episodes.
0: What have we talked We've about talked besides about
1: Portrait of a Lady on Fire, yeah. Ratatouille? But that's not in France. It's just it's just in Paris.
0: That's still yeah, true. We've talked about a lot of things that take place in France, though.
1: Monty Python has a French guy.
0: <laughs> if you can count that,
1: got a French character played by an a a British, a guy, British guy doing basically. doing an accent.
0: <laughs> and now the Eddie. and yep. yeah, yeah, um, no, but um, gosh. No, I thoroughly enjoy the show, and I, oh my gosh, did you notice how the first episode ended?
1: What are you, regarding specifically?
0: Do you know how Damien's movies end? This is gonna be a spoiler, by the way, for all of his movies. By the okay. way. No, but, um, all of his movies. We, we
1: are going, as usual, we're gonna spoil, uh, the three movies that we were talking about after this, Yeah. after this review, which is, uh, his three feature films.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Without truly spoiling the first episode, all of his movies end with two characters looking at each other. And there's no... You know what I mean? Like, when you notice oh. that? Whiplash. Yeah. Andrew and... Uh, what's his name? Wow. Fletcher look at each other before the uh-huh. fin- the final solo. Uh, La La Land, Mia and Sebastian look at each other before they take off. First Man, Neo and his wife look at each other in the quarantine
1: i can't believe i've never noticed and that. the Every first one of episode the scenes is just two people staring at each other well like just making eye contact yeah
0: it's like i guess it's wow. it's totally lame but it, like, to me that's like pure cinema where you can only yeah, yeah. you feel it it's too. just
1: like like there's pure broken down just like human connection yeah like, it's <laughs>
0: the performance it's the framing mm. there's not a single word said but you get what's happening because of what has been happening for the first two hours or first hour and a half. You know what I mean? It's like, because you get it. And um, I think that's why like, a lot of his endings are so perfect. But um, yeah, the first episode ends with Maya, played by Joanna Kulig, playing, or singing basically the main thing of the, of the series, Yeti, right. and Andrew Holland, Elliot, looking at each other. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you did it. Of course you did it. You did it. Yeah,
1: you did it again. did it again, yeah. boys,
0: which is great. Yeah. I mean, the last cool. actual episode doesn't end like that, which I was like, oh, it's too bad. No, but the first episode does, and I'm like, yes, I knew it. This is great. <laughs> so I hope Damien continues that. I feel like that's kind of like yeah, a reflection a cool of pattern. the ending of City Lights without getting into details. Because that's how City Lights cool. kind of ends.
1: Yeah. They
0: look at each other. You know what um, I mean?
1: I wonder if that's an intentional thing, like he's like, I'm gonna end every movie like that, or if that's just where it always ends up. Because his three know. movies are pretty similar stories and that is like the perfect natural ending for all three of those. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, no. I idea. wonder how intentional that is. Or if it's just kinda like that's the kind of ending he likes.
0: That'd be cool if he's like, Okay, I have this idea. How's it gonna end with these two looking at each other? <laughs> yeah. So David
1: Chiselle I think has a talent for endings.
0: Yes, which obviously we'll get into. Endings
1: but, are like the best parts of his movies.
0: I think everybody um, can agree with that. That's,
1: that's really hard for a writer. I don't know if there's another modern writer who's as good at endings
0: as Damien Chazelle is. Like he really knows how to... Because uh, I think every movie of his, like there's a sense that everything has been leading up to this moment. You know, yeah. and once we Definitely. get there, it's not exactly what we think it is. It shows us mm-hmm. what we wanted. And then it, and then, then what really happens is the opposite and then we're left like that with the ending uh with the emotion of what happened like it just kind of ends when you think about it like especially whiplash Mm -hmm. like but it
1: doesn't feel even though it is kind of abrupt it never feels abrupt in the sense that it's like cutting off the story mm -hmm. it never feels like wait no i need i need more like you feel like wow like what a satisfying yeah conclusion I guess yeah it's the Um, best
0: way to end it there's nothing else that needs to be said nothing else yeah whiplash
1: being the best example I mean I mean I'll come out and say whiplash is has got to be my favorite like ending last scene of any movie
0: (laughs) I think even guy and Madeline ends the same way really yeah with two people looking at each other yeah they do interesting he's playing a trumpet to a girl and they both kind of look at each other and then it cuts to black damn she loves that ending yeah he I guess he does (laughs) Um, I respect that
1: that's really cool
0: if you're into Damien Giselle if you like jazz if you enjoy cinema and that way check it out definitely if you're not into that at all you're not into you don't really care about filmmaking you just want to be entertained um then don't watch it I guess it won't be your thing maybe check it out I mean, try want, it, try but it
1: but. i I doubt um I doubt it'll hold your attention yeah if you're just looking for like a bin show on Netflix but like, the, with the jazz thing, like, I one of the things I love about Damon Chazelle is even though he's so obsessed with jazz music, like, I never feel... Because I, I like jazz music, but I don't, like, usually listen to it, mm-hmm. or, like, I don't usually, like, seek it out. But um I think his movies are universal enough that, like, unless you hate jazz music, like, you're gonna like them, even if jazz isn't, like, your style.
0: I agree, yeah. And same thing with, like, La La and musicals, I think. Like, if you hate musicals, mm-hmm. I think you should still, like La La Land. Yeah. Like, at least that's what I've Although heard. for from. some
1: reason, it seems like so many people who love musicals hate La La Land, which I don't get.
0: <laughs> I do, because it's not... Well, again, we'll get into detail, but it's not the traditional yeah. musical. It's If anything, it's kind of poking fun at it and saying, okay, this is what musicals do, and this is what me- musicals um, sure. expect, like, you expect from this, and no, we're going to talk about it, we're going to mention it, but we're not going to show it we're gonna do the reality of it and that's true um again we'll get into detail when we get to that movie but um yeah for sure
1: but for now uh what's your rating of the eddie sub uh
0: eight out of ten really love the show yeah yeah it's uh really really enjoy it um the criminal um the side uh, the thriller subplot not as great as the rest of the show but um the last two episodes really hit it home for me personally Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, reload really the show. Well, What about you yeah, so far? I think, is... I, would,
1: I think I would go seven. Uh, maybe that, that last episode will be the nail in the coffin to give me an eight.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> um, if not, it's cool. But... I,
1: I think it's funny how we always give everything a good rating on this show, which makes sense because the premise is what are some of our favorite movies.
0: True, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but uh, I think the
1: only negative rating we've given is Onward, and even that was like...
0: That wasn't oh, even I like a, a eight, one, or, but it wasn't good Yeah, that either. wasn't
1: bad. We, maybe we should do an episode for our favorite trash movies.
0: We will. We we will. Don't worry. We're not complete. Yeah, our complete... favorite
1: terrible movies.
0: We're not complete, like... Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We love movies, obviously, but we're not, like... Every single movie's good. <laughs> no, sure. there are bad movies out there, okay? Um, no, but yeah. Great show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I can see myself seeing it again someday. Um, but speaking of jazz... Um, actually, I wanted to mention Guy and Madeline a little bit Like a minute or two right. For those who haven't seen it It's his very first movie, technically He made it in college It was his thesis Ugh. It was his thesis from Harvard That he right. made and No
1: no theatrical release, right?
0: I think like some screenings at like Sundance and stuff like but that not But like not a, like an no actual Yeah, exactly, release. it wasn't like that but Did you just
1: say that Damien Chazelle went to Harvard?
0: He went to Harvard, yeah
1: He studied film at Harvard?
0: Yeah can you do that? Huh. Yeah, that guy's that, guy's that smart. Yeah. Harvard, out of all the schools. That's crazy.
1: Harvard. I didn't even really know that Harvard had, like, a film program.
0: I didn't either. I mean,
1: I I guess any school has, like, a film major, but...
0: But you don't go to Harvard for film. No. You know what I mean? You go to USC. You go to Chapman. Yeah, USC Chapman. or UCLA
1: or... Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, but, um... No, yeah, it's a cute... um basically epilogue to La La Land it's a musical it's a very intimate handheld shaky cam very much shot like how the Eddie is shot uh only it's in black and white and it's it's a musical basically about um this couple this guy who's named guy, guy or I guess um who's a trumpeter and uh Madeline who's uh I think she wants to be an actress but I'm not I I'm not too sure but basically they, they kind of break up in the beginning and they're meeting other people and then they kind of realize they're still in love and stuff like that and obviously mm-hmm. damien also loves using stories of love or i guess relationships um mixed in with this yeah kind
1: of with a backdrop of jazz and jazz music and, and acting and, and just like aspirations for uh fame kind of yeah like or his movies like artistic
0: are very much genre style like the styles are very genre but the stories are very real and honest which i love yeah um so again without getting into the spoilers uh, it's a cute movie uh, it's as weak as one but it's not bad at all i would probably give it overall like an eight out of ten i really love the movie it's like
1: and it's all in black and white right
0: it's in black and white it's shot on 16 millimeter um it feels intimate but it's like the music's great it feels very classical um, Justin Hurwitz did the music. Actually, like they met in college, apparently, and that's where they I kind of. That.
1: There's so many, like pairs of like directors and composers mm-hmm. that like stick with each other because they're friends and they met when they were super young. I love that. I,
0: yeah, like not just like composers, but like I mean, like any like a collaborator, like screenwriter or actor. Yeah, like that's true. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. A,
1: a specific pattern with composers, which I think is funny. Like, yeah. did you did you know that? Sergio Leone and Ennio yeah. Morricone went to uh, elementary, like elementary right? school together. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Rest in peace, Ennio Marconi. Oh,
0: yeah. RIP. Um, Probably the greatest composer of all time.
1: Yeah, my personal favorite composer of all time. Yeah. But yeah, to get back to Damien Chazelle.
0: Yeah, Guy and Madeline's a cute movie. I recommend it. Um, I think it's on, you can buy it on DVD on Amazon or something, or you can even go to like online and find it, but. Um, it's again. It's like one of his movies that he made in college. It's not like Whiplash, where you can buy it or rent it or on. Right,
1: and even Whiplash was super low budget.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But um, yeah. So we just wanted to talk about uh, his three major features today. We're not going to do kind of our normal like here's my pick thing because there's only three. Yeah. And we always do three episodes, so we're just we're just going through them. I think in order that they came out. Yeah. Um, which means we will start with whiplash from yes. 2014 starring uh miles teller and jk simmons
0: and Ugh, um
1: god i love that movie
0: i mean what can you say that hasn't already been said right about whiplash i mean in terms of word of mouth because that's how i heard about it i didn't see any trailers or anything i've just heard oh there's this movie called whiplash you need to watch it yeah and but
1: i don't know if it was a big commercial success i don't think it did super well um I mean well for such a small budget movie. Yeah.
0: Obviously it wasn't the highest grossing film of the year, but I think it was the one everybody saw that everybody loved. You know what I mean? Like I can't think of someone that sees this and think, "Oh, that sucked." Sure. Honestly, like it's so entertaining.
1: It it's really good and um it it's in my top top 12, maybe top 10 favorite movies of all time. For sure. Uh personally, uh, it's my favorite Damien Chazelle film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think J.K. Simmons' performance in this movie is one of my favorite performances in any movie.
0: It's scary. It's I'd say terrifying. it's up
1: there with Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse.
0: That and... as far as
1: recent performances that have been like groundbreaking.
0: Oh, for sure, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's genuinely terrifying. Um,
0: and funny. It's like a weird mix of him being. It's like... true.
1: I mean, yeah. There's there's funny in it, and there's like genuine heart in it like there's scenes where he comes off as really genuine oh yeah but then all of a sudden he snaps into legitimate like sociopathy yeah (laughs)
0: like a freaking monster it's great (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's crazy and his dichotomy with miles teller is like a perfect reinforcement of just the movie's theme of like what's more important like success or Mental health. I mean, how yeah, far like, are you willing to go for to achieve your dream?
0: And I think all of Damien's things have that question. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. whether it be how how far are you willing to go to go to the moon? How far are you willing to go to um become an actress or, an actress, actress, or, a, or a, own a jazz own a jazz club? Or, or, all these. Yeah.
1: Every every one of his movies is about people who have a really clear goal, mm-hmm. and then they learn over the course of the movie that if they want to achieve that goal they have to sacrifice something and it's yeah. usually their relationship in this movie it's you know his mental state. basically mental health um, and his like yeah
0: just his ability to be a normal person i think yeah. at the end of the movie he basically becomes jk simmons
1: i think so too and if i there's an interview with miles teller where they asked him you know where do you think your character goes after this movie and he was like i'm sorry this is such a bummer answer but i think he kills himself
0: yeah like saying like he died of cocaine or something or like died of yeah, drugs Yeah, something
1: like that. Like he overdosed. And
0: like 32 uh, or something like movie,
1: that. Yeah. By the end of the movie, JK Simmons breaks him down. Um but in doing so makes him the success that he always wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Which it's, is
1: it's brutal. It's
0: absolutely brutal cuz I mean there are a lot of aspects of this that I relate to, especially the fact that that dinner scene especially when he's Yeah. um how Nobody takes his drumming and the art and his passion seriously, except for sports. You know, sports is cool. That's, that's where they're going to go. And as someone who has never been sporty, as someone who has never really cared for that and has always been a guy who has been into arts and uh, I've kind of seen how people look down on those people, like myself, that moment was like super satisfying for me.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very very relatable scene, and it only drives his character's motivation more to become a great drummer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but like that crazy quote when he says, "I'd rather be, rather be dead at thirty, and have everybody remember me than be mm-hmm. sober and ninety and have and have nobody remember who I was." And it's like, yeah, geez. I mean,
1: they're talking about Charles Parker at the dinner table saying. You know why do you want to be Charles Parker and he's like because we're talking about him at this dinner table
0: yeah like <laughs> he had shows... no friends but yeah. we're still talking about the him. fact people that remember we're talking him. about
1: him shows what what an amazing musician he was
0: yeah and and also like stuff of like what does success mean to you some people think like some people for success is oh I have a family I have a wife or a husband and kids and to me that success that's good that's fine some some people i want to have a business and be all by myself and and uh, all that like that's fine and here i guess it's just to be remembered you
1: know mm-hmm. like at least he for, wants to leave a legacy. He he wants, wants to do and
0: something. that's i mean that's fine also but i i guess the kind of point of the movie is to show how dark that can get i guess or just how
1: yeah.
0: if like if there's a line to cross they even ask that too like like there's a moment where miles and jk are at uh, at a club and he asks is there a line of like trying to push someone and excluding them from being the next charlie parker and he's like no there is no line because the next person would not be discouraged you know what i mean it's like i think
1: crap. <laughs> i kind of think that's what the entire movie is about is miles teller uh trying to find the line yeah and i don't think he finds it until he realizes he's already crossed it and like that's become crazy. ruined
0: yeah it's insane. Um,
1: and he, he has to give up his relationship, too. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a much less of a subplot than it is in La La Land or, um, or First Man. But he has a, a girlfriend who he goes on a couple dates with early in the movie. And eventually he he becomes a jerk to her. And basically. He up with her uh, saying, you know, I need to achieve my dream of being a musician and you're going to hold me back.
0: Yeah, he's basically saying, you're in my way. <laughs> yeah, like what a jerk! <laughs>
1: and he's trying his best to be genuine. Like he's trying to be honest with her, and you can tell like his intentions are good, and he doesn't like saying this from his, from Miles Teller's performance. But yeah, he he honestly believes because of Fletcher, because of J.K. Simmons' character, that this is what needs to happen. If he wants to be Charlie Parker, he needs to let go of everything except for drumming. <laughs> That's crazy. I
0: don't know. It's and at that point, it can you can like. I feel like you'd be worried of, like, if this character is likable at this point, but... I don't yeah. know. It's almost like you kind of feel bad. Because you kind of want him yeah. to succeed, but you don't.
1: It's weird because it's kind of a downfall story and a success story at the same time. Yeah. He he has success as a drummer, but he, he you know, loses his... He Everything. He loses who he is in the process. Yeah. I just realized that the whole time we're talking about this, I'm sitting under a big whiplash poster in my room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what's funny about it, little callback to earlier, it's in French. Oh, it and is. Th- that wasn't intentional. Un I just duel. ordered it on, on Amazon without reading it. And then when it came, I was like, this is in French.
0: Receive <laughs> <laughs> uh, un, <laughs> un
1: film de Damien Chassel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stunning Are you able to see it right now? on this? A little this bit, call? yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. great. I love it. No, but um, gosh, um, what else can we say? Like, I also love not that many. I mean, I feel like when it comes to first viewings and like great movies, there's like, especially this one. It's like, oh, J.K. Simmons, the music, the ending, like that's what you're gonna get out of it. But like after like seeing it multiple times, you see like other little things that you begin to appreciate. And I don't just mean with this movie. I mean like with any of your favorite movies. Like here, like there's a great moment when. Miles Teller asks out that girl that he's going to go with. Like, it's such a great little moment.
1: Mm-hmm. With, the, with the chocolate-covered raisins?
0: No, um, chocolate. no, no, no. The moment when he actually asks out Nicole at the theater. And then he's like, would you ever want to go out with me? Like, ever? Right. And she's like, please go away. And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And she's like, "I'm kidding, oh, I'm kidding." Yeah. You like and she's that like, no, great little, I'm messing with you. Come on. yeah, like I'm messing with you. It's like a great. Li- it feels so genuine and feels so good. And he just so takes you to
1: this like little kind of dinky pizza joint.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they connect. I like it's that. great. Like when she puts yeah, her foot definitely. on his foot, it's great. And um... it's that
1: kind of like raw human connection that Damien Chazelle really likes to explore mm-hmm. right before um, destroying your heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically.
1: <laughs> he gives you like this little droplet of like, "Isn't this cute?" Now it dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, um, no, but yeah, yeah that's a, gosh, is, um, do you have anything else to say about Whiplash?
1: I mean, we mentioned it, but that ending is just, ah. Uh, it's amazing. I can't, the, the direction of it, the editing of it is freaking phenomenal. Both performances.
0: Yeah, Whiplash is one of the best edited movies I've ever seen. It did win best editing, but no, I think it should have won like screenplay, maybe even picture, because... I love Birdman. I adore Birdman, but, like... Oh, this last to Birdman? Yeah. Oh,
1: come on. Come
0: on. Uh, I don't know. I love Birdman. I understand why it won, but Whiplash is going to be remembered. It's already a classic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's already a modern-day classic, but... Um, yeah, and
1: it's more, like we were saying before, it's more universal by far.
0: Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, not not to put any Birdman down. I absolutely adore that movie. It's amazing, but uh, Whiplash is... <laughs> was my personal favorite but um yeah that ending yeah. i mean like i said before the whole movie was leading up to this moment and
1: literally yeah, yeah yeah
0: and we get to the point and then he goes up to him and um jk goes up to miles and says i know it was you um and basically he's there to sabotage him so that's what but i mean like kind of
1: accidentally end up yeah I mean not working together because Miles is trying to You know spite him by being the best drummer But then JK turns around and you see on his face Like I've done it like I've achieved what I wanted Yeah I've made my apprentice into a great musician
0: Yeah it's crazy Like that's what I mean when I said like You got you Everything has been leading up to this moment And then everything falls flat When he basically humiliates him And you think that's it the movie's gonna end like this And then he goes back and does that amazing drum solo, and that you're getting the ending that you want. Yeah, and
1: he reclaims that audience that's yeah. like been taken from him by J.K. by Fletcher. And,
0: yeah, and then at the end, before it completely finishes, you get that great. I like to call it the Giselle gaze between Miles and um, <laughs>
1: yeah and J.K. Zoom in on both their eyes. Like
0: the first time you watch it, you think like, "Oh, I have respect for you." Uh oh yeah um but the second time it's more like I have found my Charlie Parker, um yes. stuff like you know I mean like uh, I feel like the first time you watch the movie, um, for me it was at least like. This guy, like Miles was trying to just basically just trying to gain this teacher's respect, mm-hmm. but upon third four five six seven, <laughs> time seeing it you realize like no I think J K is kind of doing this deliberately so he can have his own Charlie Parker. So he can... Because in the beginning of the movie, he sees the potential in him. And he knows the drive and this young kid, and so he's going to push him. He's not doing it because he's a a jerk. He's doing it to get that pleasure of being the teacher who brought up the next Charlie Parker. Hmm. And it's crazy how you can kind of see that upon a second or a third viewing.
1: Yeah, but then at the midpoint of the movie, uh, Fletcher gets that phone call that one of his previous students has killed himself. Oh, yeah. Um, Kind of driven crazy by um, how obsessed he became with music.
0: He was saying that it was an accident, but it was revealed that he killed himself. It's revealed because... later that
1: he actually killed himself. And that serves as like this kind of um, dark forecast to both Fletcher and and Miles Teller's character, I think Josh is his name, of, um, is this the road I'm going down, you know? Yeah. Um, like, that guy, kind of his story very much reflects mine. Um, oh, it's not Josh, it's Andrew. Um, okay. I don't know why I said Josh. <laughs> uh, you know, Andrew's thinking, is this where I'm gonna end up too? And according to, uh, Miles Teller, it is. But-
0: yeah. <clears throat> I feel like that's what happens too, honestly. Yeah. I mean... Yeah.
1: Um it's just it's such a dynamic movie. Yeah. It's so memorable. Um
0: I feel like I can like I mean, show this to anyone and anyone will like yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's like you said it's very universal in that way.
1: I I was about to say it hits you like a truck and then I realized that's not great phrasing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like because he definitely certain, gets hit by a truck in the middle of the, gets, the movie. Like, <laughs> he
1: gets hit by a truck in one of the scenes. Yeah. Um
0: jeez. And that, that, that scene was does tense. hit you like a truck cuz
1: it it's that's one of my favorite scenes. I mean, it, it comes out of nowhere, but in the in the perfect way where you're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. and it kind of goes whack for a second, and your heart is pounding. You're mm-hmm. literally on the edge of your seat. Like, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? What is going to happen? And he gets to the concert, and um, he's he's just, all bleeding. it's a mess, and it's, it's terrible. It's he's bleeding terrible. all over the drum set.
0: Tells him you're and done. Then he attacks Fletcher. Yeah, he attacks him. And
1: that's, like, one of the best all is lost moments in the any film the end of act
0: two basically yeah and um yeah great movie um you have anything else to say about it
1: um I think we've really covered anything just that it's it's really one of my all time all time favorites and I really really that's just a movie that means a lot to me
0: oh definitely it was one of the first few that that blended genre and I guess film Together, like Parasite, mm-hmm. wouldn't be another great example of like it's a yeah. total thriller genre, but there's so much you can get out of it. Yeah, it's and, also
1: got that kind of satire, that comedy of manners. Mm-hmm.
0: Where it's like a movie you can recommend to anyone, and I can't see anyone like disliking it at all because mm-hmm. it's just so well made and it's so entertaining. But at the end, you kind of still think about it. It's not like not to downgrade Spielberg's films because his films are more escapist. You know what I mean? They're well sure. made, but they're like like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Fantastic movie, but it's more of an escapist movie where you just kind of Definitely. don't think about politics. Think think well, about how of, terrible life what is. That's kind of what it's meant to do. Is, is
1: yeah. be that kind of pure escapism that Spielberg grew up with.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas like Whiplash or even Parasite, it's like it's presented like a genre film, but there's mm-hmm. still things in it like the themes of success, the themes. Yeah, of, it
1: really uh, leaves you with something to think about for a long time. Yeah, if you watch it,
0: which I think. <laughs> personally are like my favorite type of movies to either hopefully make someday or like the movies that really connect with me the most but yeah yeah um yeah i don't really have much to say we already said it great movie fantastic film if you haven't seen it I'd give
1: it a 10 out of 10
0: we already spoiled it for you (laughs) oh wow yeah (laughs) but yeah i also give it a 10 out of 10 amazing amazing movie um one of my favorites one i can watch anytime like literally if you if it's on i'll finish it it's mm-hmm. it's great it's absolutely amazing speaking of amazing <laughs> his next film is la la land um
1: that's right the 2016 uh pseudo best picture winner
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no the non-best picture winner but the one that won best picture was emma stone right What
1: well, sorry?
0: like didn't emma stone win best picture it was moonlight no, I know, but the card said Emma Stone, La La Land. Remember?
1: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's yeah. so weird. How why, there was two cards. That's why I got
1: confused. That's why. Uh,
0: that's why Warren Beatty.
1: Yeah, Warren Beatty. Yeah,
0: yeah. What? Well, uh, who are they? Who did they play? <sighs> Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, that's right. Bonnie and
1: Clyde. Yeah, 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 and they they gave him the wrong envelope. That was for Best Actress. So he thought it was. <laughs> that was funny. That was a great ten seconds, and everybody was uh, was uh, celebrating.
0: La La and then,
1: when you look in the background after they say it's moonlight, Damien Chazelle looks like so, so pissed, and Ryan Gosling is just laughing. He's just, He's just laughing. Yeah, uh... <laughs> he, he thought it was so funny.
0: <laughs> no, but um, La La Land is uh, Damien's is technically his third movie, but it's his second theatrical film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from twenty sixteen about uh an aspiring an actress named Mia, played by Emma Stone, and an aspiring uh, jazz. Pianist, um, club owner named Sebastian, (laughs) uh, played by Ryan Gosling, and they basically meet and fall in love in the city of stars, and it's a musical, but it's Mm -hmm. not the traditional
1: big, kind of homage to golden age musicals. Yeah, while also like you said, kind of providing some uh, like a like a new modernization of that kind of new yeah kind of new fresh commentary on that. Yeah, Um, but I do think it is a love letter to those more than it is. Yeah, it's it's definitely um,
0: playing homage to it and it's like it's it's clear that yeah. it's influenced by it in the presentation, but it's not exactly trying to be one of those movies either, I think. But um yeah, this is my personal favorite film of Damien Chazelle for many reasons. Um but yeah, Kobe, what do you have to say about La La Land?
1: I mean, we've we talked about it a little bit in the first episode, because we were kind of comparing it to City Lights. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about how much uh, me and you both kind of fell in love with it the first time we saw it. Um, in regards to the kind of golden age musical things, it's interesting that there are times in this movie that it takes very directly from, from like, classic musicals. Like, the ending sequence is kind of, not ripped off, but kind of lifted directly from uh, An American in Paris. Yeah. But given like, this new, kind of more modern twist... Mm-hmm. that is a better reflection of la la land's story um and is it, it's because in in american in paris it is a big happy ending right mm-hmm. and in this it's kind Not... of a big imaginary happy ending yeah that precedes the actual ending which is heartbreaking
0: <laughs> heartbreaking and honest and awesome but um so it's
1: almost like it's saying that kind of golden age musical like doesn't exist anymore
0: yeah uh, basically You can't
1: have it both ways You can't become successful as an artist And keep this happy relationship Like you have to choose one And they both choose success
0: Yeah And also is it worth it <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean Is that what you really Because at the end I feel like Ryan Isn't too happy I, I get the sense that I mean I, he's I alone he's,
1: I think both of them are artistically fulfilled But yeah. I think they long for each other
0: yeah, especially when they give that smile at the end. When, um, mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that smile is more of like they're happy for each other. For ha- they're happy for yeah. what they, they had and for what they gave them. For what they gave mm-hmm. each other, which is basically an extra push for their success. And, uh, and although the relationship is done in practical terms, that love is still there. You know what I mean, which I th- I find more romantic and more honest rather than a big wedding at the end and then running into the sunset. Right. Which they give you that, but
1: and then they get in a in a red convertible and like fly into the sun. <laughs> yeah, basically
0: <laughs> fly. Oh my god, Greece! I love that movie. But um, yeah, for me, at that point I, when I watched it, it was in twenty sixteen when it came out. At that point, I kind of wanted to make like. Horror films. Like, I already explained mm-hmm. this a bit, but I basically just was into gritty, bloody, gory, Sam Raimi, Evil Quentin dip. Tarantino, yeah. all these movies. And not that those are bad. I just, that was the kind of person that I, and kind of movies that I wanted to make only. And so when I heard the buzz about La La Land, at that point, it won all the Golden Globes. Um, a lot of my the friends friend had seen it. It swept
1: the Golden Globes. It won yeah. everything it was nominated for, I think.
0: Yeah, it won seven. Which is the most for any movie at the Golden Globes. It's crazy. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Had the most nominations at the Oscars, but not the most wins.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, equal nominations with, like, Titanic and All About Eve. Right. No, yeah. but, um, yeah, so when I watched it, I was just like, oh, wow. Movies could end like that? Like, movies can be like that still to this day? Like, I was immediately transported from the opening with, mm-hmm. like, the long take and... Another Day of yeah. Sun and in uh, the freeway I was
1: watching the the director's commentary track recently mm-hmm. and they were talking about how they thought they were going to have to cut Another Day of Sun. You imagine? Because I mean, yeah, they were saying, you know, they had filmed in they worked really hard on it but they thought they needed to leave it on the cutter room floor because you know it doesn't really introduce the characters or like the story in any way mm-hmm. but what it does do is like set the tone so perfectly and like tell you this is the world we're in yeah and it immerses you really fully in that world
0: for sure and if you don't like that then you can leave you know what i mean like this is a musical <laughs> and we're gonna yeah, be singing I and dancing sequence I think it's and great. if you don't like it but it's also leave <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's also a big love letter to uh Los Angeles which is what the whole film ends up being
0: yeah to the point where like at the end of the song you kind of see LA in the far like mm-hmm. far away almost like the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz something like that
1: yeah um, but honestly I just can't imagine cutting that sequence I mean it's so excellently directed yeah. like it's huge it's huge in scale and every little piece of it moving there's all these moving pieces it's so precise
0: it's definitely the biggest number in the movie next to the epilogue like it's the mm-hmm. most musical musical number of the movie, where everybody's singing, yeah. all everybody's in colored clothing and jumping out of cars and all that. Like that's like, I feel like it just started so high, and but it mm-hmm. obviously that's not what the whole movie is about. It's not supposed to be this whole high energy musical. It's supposed to be this right, this genre of musical. I mean this this honest story told as a musical as an old contemporary not a contemporary musical sorry like an old classic musical
1: yeah i think another day of sun kind of just serves as an introduction to the dreams that these aspiring actresses and musicians trying to make in la have yeah um it presents this dream to you and then the rest of the movie kind of provides the commentary on that dream and kind of explains how uh it can be achievable but not without sacrifice
0: yeah, I feel like each number is kind of like not actually happening. Like all like everybody's dream. Like, right. like 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 how do I explain this? Like since all of those people in the cars are dreamers trying to get to LA mm-hmm. to become someone, I feel like they all kind of unite with this one dream. That's why they're all singing and dancing. That's why they're all Yeah. They all can see this. And that's why I think um Mia and Sebastian really connect. Because at first, they don't like each other. and at, like, yeah, Which is also it's... kind of paying homage to the classic musicals, which is, mm-hmm. at first, they don't like each other, but then... Yeah,
1: like
0: Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain, or even, like, the bandwagon... Not, not the bandwagon. Um, like, the Fred and Sarah and Ginger Rogers movies. Where, right. But it's the musical number that they kind of both get into. Like, the music is kind of telling you that there's still a connection between the two of them. And then they, be go- they both begin to start dancing their own separate tunes, and then, all together, they're kind of, like into one um, one uh, pattern and um, mm-hmm. and so like, like one synchronization like one synchronization I mean sorry not pattern but um, I think it's the both because like, like I said like both they don't like each other and they both can barely even stand each other and then yeah, it's the that the first moment.
1: interaction they have is flipping each other off
0: yeah like basically
1: what other movie has a a a couple that's so intensely and passionately romantic that you can echo so strongly about their first interaction is flipping each other off
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah great detriments Um, not sorry i don't know we don't i don't know what i meant by that but um no but i'm just saying like i think they both they both see through the music and through the dancing that they both have similar dreams and ambitions of wanting to become great. And that's shown through that great moment of a lovely night when they're on the hilltop, um, dancing together. And and again, not a single word is said, um, barely any lyrics are said, which is in the beginning of the song, but it's shown through their physical dancing, through the camel work and how they work together. And at Mm -hmm. the end of it, they, they almost kind of like, it's like they can't take their eyes off each other, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I feel like every moment, every musical moment, it's like they're, we're entering into their head and entering into their dream rather than this is a, we're in a musical version of L.A. It's more of this is what we perceive L.A. to be and then nope, this is the reality of what happens.
1: Yeah, it, it presents you this like idealistic depiction before slowly kind of, like we said earlier with weblash, like taking that away from you.
0: Yeah. But um
1: Damien Chazelle goes, Here's this nice thing you want. Just kidding.
0: Just kidding. It. Yeah, I killed it. <laughs> and just I killed it in front in it of multiple you. Multiple times and like put blows it up and your heart breaks <laughs> while you see this yeah. happen. But um Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, I mean again, like I said with Whiplash, what can you say that hasn't already been said? <laughs> um
1: yeah, I don't know if do you I have mean, things
0: to say about it that
1: As far as, like, kind of the public perception of La La Land, I feel like when it came out, it was huge. Yeah. And it was this big deal of, like, this is this new, like, big thing. It's a big deal. It's going to win all these Oscars. It's going to bring back the Hollywood musical. And then, like, six months after it came out, there started to be this kind of thing of people being, like, suddenly against it.
0: Yeah. Like, people were hating it. It's
1: weird. It's one of those things where it was so popular at first, and then it seems like... Everybody decided to be contrarian, and because everyone liked it, now everyone doesn't like it. I'm so cool because,
0: why. because I have a differing opinion from the public. It's like, I mean, it's fine if you don't <laughs> like the movie. Like, if you don't like the movie, yeah, that's I mean, fine, fine. But I'm it, just it, saying, if you're trying to do taste. it to get views or trying to be cool, it's like really, you know sure. what I mean? Like, I yeah. like, I totally get it. Like, there are some people that I know that don't care for it as much, but it's like they understand why I love it personally. You know what I mean? Like, we can have a conversation about it. There's just some people, though, that I've talked with that just flat-out hate the movie, and I'm like, I don't get why. Like, mm. can you explain to me? And they're just like,
1: oh, you're so funny. Alex was here this episode, because she has some hot takes on it we could have discussed with her.
0: Apparently, but, yeah.
1: Um, that She's a great example, because I think I've noticed this pattern that I think is super interesting, and I would love to, like, try to understand better mm-hmm. of theater people, see people, people who are really into Broadway musicals don't seem to like this movie very much at least in my experience that's obviously a generalization. Yeah. But a lot of my friends who uh, who do theater in school, who study theater, who are trying to make it on Broadway like didn't really like this musical, but my, you know, my friends who are really into film and want to study film very much did. Yeah. I I wonder what the contrast is there. What I heard one person say, um our our good friend who shall not be be named named, for for copyright copyright reasons reasons. i think i think you know what i'm talking about (laughs) is um um she said like it's not really a musical i was like what do you mean it's not a musical she was like it doesn't have enough songs
0: yeah but i was like
1: but it has songs so it's a musical
0: yeah but i mean there's a point to the actual movie because like the first half i feel like is a classic hollywood musical and then after the planetarian scene when they kiss it just kind of comes into reality that's another
1: great like dream sequence kind of idealistic scene
0: great scene but um it's like because when they say because i've heard that too like i would have loved the movie more if the music wasn't in it and i'm like well you're kind of taking away the point of the movie which is that the fact that they're basically using the musical as a way to show the the expectations and reality of, of dreams versus reality. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's not like it's supposed to be um, I don't know, an American in Paris or supposed to be Singing in the Rain or West Side Story where every scene has a musical number. Um, it's just I supposed, mean, the first it,
1: half is, and then the second half is supposed to be kind of a rebuttal to that.
0: Yeah, and it's it's basically just kind of just saying... Yeah, like our expectations for what we have—not just for musicals, but for LA, and for the things that we want to do in life, and what we really need to do, and what really is at stake here. And um, yeah, really,
1: just for artistic fulfillment in general.
0: Yeah, so it's not a dumb, everything's happy musical, like, um, like, like thoroughly modern millie. Thoroughly modern millie has like a total cliche storyline but that doesn't matter like you're at the theater there for the performances there for the music for the actual spectacle of it and here at the movies a a
1: musical that we were both in together
0: yeah (laughs) i love the (laughs) musical don't get me wrong but it's yeah total cliche story but
1: sure
0: um but that's not the point of like a broadway musical you know what i mean like they're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be that they're supposed to be spectacle driven they're supposed to be singing driven and and all that, even like Les Miserables, which is not that great of a movie in my opinion, but it has like great moments that only could work on Broadway. And mm-hmm. um, I think, I mean, it's been a while since I've sure. seen it. We could rewatch it someday, but I mean, I feel like people, when they say that, they were expecting a musical like Singing in the Rain, an American in Paris, or even like the classic Broadway musicals where every scene is like heightened and everything is... um, And it's not a heightened movie. Like, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's performances are very modern-day, very um, natural. Authentic. Authentic and natural.
1: I think... uh, I mean, Singing in the Rain is my second favorite movie of all time. I Mm -hmm. love Singing in the Rain. Yeah, But the point you're making is is true, that there's there's a place for escapism and there's a place for realism, and I I think the best of both Broadway and film um, blends those two really well Mm -hmm. and I think La La Land is a great example of that because there's plenty of great escapism in this movie and there's also plenty of you know real heartbreaking realism
0: yeah and that's the point of the movie like if you take out the music and the musical aspect Mm -hmm. then it's just going to be another romance movie where they don't end up together it's just a bummer movie (laughs) you know what I mean but um
1: I don't know if another director could could balance those two elements as well as Damien Chazelle does because yeah it could have been messy you know it could have been inconsistent and it could have been like it could have some of this is escapist fantasy and some of it is like brutally real
0: yeah and one thing that i noticed that was like really great was how well transition it transitions from uh, speaking normally to music to sing to song like it's yeah like some musicals today it's like oh we're having a musical number okay that's fine you're taking out. it 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 it
1: just comes up really abruptly whereas
0: here it was a natural transition to the song like you can kind of hear the music in the background getting louder and uh, and the, the sets almost getting more colorful and the costumes getting more um, more uh, what do you call it I guess in tone and in match with the background and everything but um, that's another thing that I think the movie does very well that it's able to blend when you're going into an escapist moment and then bam back to reality which is great i feel like every musical number kind of goes bam this is reality again every single one in my opinion but um
1: definitely especially um the the second one what is it um what's that one called
0: i'm trying to remember um someone in the crowd
1: yeah someone in the crowd is like slowly kind of gets more and more like fantastical and by the end of it you're like Oh I get it Like this is fantasy Like this has become Fully fantasy And then It has that really Abrupt cut at the end After the fireworks Back to like
0: To her you know, l- like reality. Her car being towed away Yeah <laughs> And yeah. Um, That's another great moment That Cause like the movie Really is basically Just like Not only is it A love letter to LA I think it's Trashing it In a way Cause like There's That, that scene is basically t- Talking about how Like you kinda need to Sleep with someone in order to kind of get your foot in the door or at least like show yourself in a way that you really wouldn't and yeah when you have you think to like about get it, into the institution yeah and it's kind of gross like when you think about it like and um but it's again it's presented in this fantasy escapist way
1: every shot in this movie is so meticulously planned
0: it's gorgeous and like,
1: as opposed to whiplash and first man which are meant to look really authentic mm-hmm. it looks i don't know i watch this movie and every time i notice more and more i didn't notice before and i keep seeing these shots where i'm like how did damien do this how did he yeah. plan this this looks phenomenal the i love the colors in angles. this movie that kind of purple uh yeah that consistently like purple tone throughout the movie
0: mm-hmm. and like the use of like headlight not headlights what is it um do you notice, like... like oh, street lamps? Street lamps, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's, like, stri- like added street lamps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A great little touches like that, yeah. Uh,
1: which is kind of another callback to Golden Age musicals, especially, exactly. like, singing in the rain.
0: Yeah, like, before they do Lovely Night, Ryan basically twirls around the street, like, the, yeah. the lamp. Like, in singing in the rain. That's, like, it's Gene great. Gene Kelly style, baby. Total Gene Kelly thing. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, again, for me, I think of the endings, so what really solidifies not just the themes, but the fact from making it a good movie to, like, a great movie. At least the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, this is what it was going for. Holy mm-hmm. crap, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? And for a musical, like, especially a movie trying to pay homage to the classic musicals to end that way, is mm-hmm. so ballsy. Especially now, yeah. when there's, like, barely anything original, or at least, like, there are obviously original things, and you kind of need to look for them. But in terms of it being mainstream, of it being this big, it's like so... Especially a musical. An original musical yeah. with new songs.
1: I think a lot of people didn't like the ending just because it's unsatisfying. Um, like my mom. Hi, Mom. Um,
0: <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Sleepies. <laughs> yes, um, but, Mrs. Incredible is incredible. Yeah, I, I love anything.
1: the ending. I mean, I think it's the whole point. I think it's like the movie does not work without the ending. Otherwise, it's just... It's just fantasy.
0: It's just fantasy Another. Another escapist movie. Yeah. But no. And the that's ending. not to say I
1: don't love escapism. I'm yeah. literally sitting under a poster. I'm looking around my room right now. I've got four big movie posters. One of them's Whiplash and the <sighs> other three are big or like total escapist. I see Singing in the Rain, <laughs> which Raiders, is an
0: escapist movie. Singing in the Raiders Rain. Raiders is a and total Baby escapist. Baby, Baby driver is a is total
1: little bit less escapist, but it's still like fun and stylized.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's more stylized. Than yeah, so not to
1: say I don't love escapism, but you know, there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. And there's also a place for Showing you the reality, and like we were saying, I think Damon Giselle, like, makes those one place and, like, blends them really well. Yeah, for sure. So, what would you uh, rate La La Land*? Oh, 10 out
0: of 10, by far. It's easily yeah, top five I, favorite film of all time.
1: Wow, I feel weird given two films in a row 10 out of 10 on this podcast. It feels like it should be rarer than that, but <laughs> I think I'll give it a 10 out of 10 as well. It's, It's definitely in my top 20.
0: Yeah, it's... I mean... It just hits home, you know what I mean. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's also just about how you're always gonna have that, a certain soft spot for that person you've always that that first person you felt truly connected with, and uh, how you're just never gonna forget them, you know what I mean. And you're always gonna love them. And like I said, it may not be there in practical terms, but the love is still there. And what what happened? I mean, that's more than enough and uh yeah it's every time i watch it it's, it, it it breaks my heart Definitely. especially when you've gone through heartbreak yourself it's just like yeah uh, like it hurts it, it really hurts but um yeah 10 out of 10 uh my personal favorite if it's so far i wonder what babylon if alex
1: was here she would probably not give it a 10 out of 10 probably She'd not but like a, maybe a seven
0: or an eight yeah that's fine uh, still really high
1: that's fine
0: yeah, it's her opinion also doesn't there's nothing um, so, wrong yeah, with we'll that. we'll just
1: we'll just submit that score for her. And, uh... <laughs>
0: yeah. We secretly put a nine. No but um <laughs>
1: <laughs> to to no one. Like for no, no purpose. One. Yeah. <laughs> just for us to feel better. Some
0: random old man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um Okay. We it's now we are transitioning to Damien's final film at least for not now. final but latest latest film at hopefully least. not final hopefully not final because <laughs> babylon is coming soon and i'm looking forward to that's that. that's true but um his latest film first man uh do you want to introduce it kobe uh or- oh, yeah i, I
1: mean it. it came out in 2018 it's the story of neil armstrong which everyone knows first man on the moon mm-hmm. um for a second i had to do a double take there And be like Did I say the right name Or did I say Did I say Lance Armstrong Buzz Aldrin Or Stretch Lanza Armstrong Lance Armstrong Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> Buzz Lightyear Neil Armstrong Chewbacca. Um Who's played by Ryan Gosling Yes Um It's a Like we were saying earlier It's a really intimate Um Really Personal film Which is It's strange for a movie like this Because I think We we go into it Expecting it to be Like a Chris Nolan movie Yeah Um, And parts, you know, there are parts in space that look great, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anybody expected this to be as much of a character study as it turned out to be. Yeah,
0: which is part of the reason why um, I think it's very underrated. Mm -hmm. And not just because of that. Back in when the movie was being released, there was this stupid, stupid controversy of the flag. The, the american flag not being shown or and everybody thought it was this political statement and mm-hmm. thought trying to say oh this was a a world like a like an earth achievement not a u.s achievement which right. no it but was I think a u.s achievement the came but-
1: out is when people realized um
0: that's not the point of the movie. That, it's not supposed to that, be this Yeah, it wasn't a political movie.
1: sentiment at all. In fact, I don't think you even notice the lack of the American flag on the moon.
0: You don't, I think. because that's not the point of it. Like, obviously the flag yeah. is there. You, there's a shot of the flag there.
1: Yeah, but you don't see him putting it in the ground because that's not important to
0: what, the, story the character being told. arc yeah. in this
1: movie, which is basically about him um, and his family.
0: Yeah, I think people were expecting a total biopic of us going to the moon, and like the yeah. the and the movie ending. They wanted
1: um, they wanted Apollo thirteen.
0: They wanted Apollo thirteen. They wanted Bohemian Rhapsody. They wanted all these typical, yeah. and they ended up biopic. with a space whiplash. Basically, yeah, <laughs> sad
1: space whiplash. <laughs> a
0: sad space whiplash. Um, yeah. What do you have to? What are your thoughts on the movie, Kobe?
1: I mean. Well, you were talking about earlier about that ending with them just staring at each other. I mean, I think it's maybe most powerful in this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Him and his wife played by... Um, Claire Foy. Yes, Claire Foy. Thank you. Um, I thought she was robbed of an Oscar, man. I mean, did, I don't think she even got nominated, if I no, remember correctly. No, she did. She was so good in this movie. I think she gave the best performance. And, man, I mean, they, they, they both... I don't, want, I don't want to say chemistry is the right word because it's it's a lot more heavy than that, and it's it's not really, like, a cute romantic... No. <laughs> but just them together were so powerful, her and Ryan Gosling. It
0: felt like an honest, honest married couple.
1: Yeah, and they really, really struggled. Yeah. Um, both with their own family losses and with... Uh, him and with being him. so closed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan Gosling really plays Neil Armstrong as not, like, a charismatic guy which is so not what people expected like he's really a meek uh introvert kind of very internal guy yeah but then there's there's one scene where he's left alone uh finally and he just breaks down great scene
0: um, great scene such
1: a great scene and it's one it's one of the ones that's filmed in a really kind of shaky cam soft focus way another mm-hmm. one is a, a scene of him playing with his kids that i love and it's it's funny, I think we got a tiny glimpse of that style in the end of La La Land with that, with that kind of little dream sequence of them with their kids filming, like, home movies.
0: Oh, yeah, like, the... He kind of grainy... took that
1: style that he used for that one little clip in La La Land and then used it for this whole movie.
0: Yeah. Or, like, just how... The style of him with guy and Madeline. Because, like, apparently, I looked up, he studied documentary filmmaking at Harvard. Like, that's Interesting. what... That's what the kind of... Films that he was making. So it totally reflects yeah, on... this one like a documentary. The Eddie and First Man and a little bit of La, La Land and even a little bit of Whiplash. That's but, really interesting. Um, I didn't know that. No, yeah. Um, I love this movie. I absolutely love it because it's not just... I feel like it's a very introverted movie about the most extroverted event in all of history. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um,
1: yeah.
0: People, obviously, I think were... Kind of expecting freddie mercury for like ryan gosling or like someone like tom hanks and apollo 13 or something like that and that's not what's given here at all it's an honest portrayal of 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 an actual introverted man like ryan not ryan neil armstrong was actually like that he was very closed off he was very quiet and all to himself he never gave he was never like in the in the spotlight he was always like saying mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was everyone else's contribution. All he's doing is, yeah, you know, he's he's just a part of the team. Like, uh, I don't deserve all the. He was spotlight. really selfless. He was very selfless, and I think yeah.
1: I think because of that, the losses that he experienced in this story like hit him so okay. much harder. And yeah. because it's so much in his very like personal perspective, uh, they hit you really hard too.
0: For sure, yeah, and I mean, I think that's, I mean, a part of the reason why the movie didn't do so well, at the box office one because people were trying to boycott it for that stupid controversy that didn't even need to be there. And I think also because people were just kind of turned off by how slow the movie is. I mean, sure. there's a difference between slow and boring, though. It's a slow movie, definitely. but it's definitely engaging. Uh, like for me personally, at least. Like it's two and a half hours good. long. And as someone who is very also introverted, was very closed off at moments, mm-hmm. I really connected with how Ryan played Neil, it's like oh i know how you're feeling bro like i know exactly like i don't know like for me personally it was just like i don't know i guess it was just kind of like an honest portrayal of how an introverted person would react to these crazy circumstances
1: yeah i think out of his three movies it's probably the least consistently emotionally resonant which is why people kind of felt like they couldn't engage with it, and that's fair. I I engaged with it. I thought it was very like emotionally fulfilling, but I th- I think for for a lot of people because it was uh, slow and steady and intimate,
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: weren't used to that from Damon Giselle because he's been so like stylistic before. Yeah. um Then they were kind of turned off by that, and they couldn't engage with it, and they couldn't resonate with it too much. Mm-hmm. But um, I think. To resonate with it as much as I did is such an accomplishment for a guy like Neil Armstrong. Like, for him to take this mythic figure yeah, and make him so vulnerable and human, like, so incredibly vulnerable, I think that's, like, such a huge accomplishment.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, with an event, like, going to the moon, which we none of us can relate to, and just make it... Well, speak for yourself, Seb. Oh, (laughs) whatever. But, um...
1: I have a vacation home.
0: (laughs) No, but, um... I mean, basically the whole movie is just kind of about him trying to get over the death of his daughter. Yeah. And the only way for him is to get to the moon. You know what I mean? Like, that's when he's able to truly, um... Truly move on. Like, oh my god, that scene. And... It's, it's, um, it's not 100% accurate, not because it was dramatized, but because we don't know for sure. Right. But at some moment, Neo actually, because like the entire mission of going to the moon was pre-planned. Everything was um, scheduled. Everything was uh, rehearsed of them stepping into certain places, getting certain um, rocks and stuff like that. But at some point, Neil, the actual thing, he did go to a crater for like 10 minutes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when he came back, there's a photo of him in the ship, teary-eyed. Right. And so his sister and even his family say they like to believe that he did leave something of his daughter, right. uh, Karen. Karen, I think. Right. Which is
1: why they put that in the
0: movie. Which is why they put that, which is probably like...
1: That scene where he, where he lets go of the bracelet.
0: At the bracelet. It's like, That's a... Oh, God. Uh, tears. <laughs> tears are going down the first time.
1: Yeah. Damien Chazelle's really good at, at making you have fun and then and then punching you in the gut. just punching you in the gut.
0: <laughs> and just having an emotionally <laughs> satisfying ending. It's just...
1: Yeah. Where two people stare at each other.
0: Where two people stare at each other and you just get it and you completely... You're transported by it. I also really love how good the visual effects are in this movie.
1: Yeah, they're great. I mean, they're subtle. Yeah. And I think I remember, you know, at first in 2018, thinking to myself, like, why would they give Best VFX to this? Like, you can't even tell there's VFX. But it's like, oh, that's...
0: That's the point. point. Like,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not most VFX. It's it's Best VFX, and the Best VFX are the ones that blend in with the movie and support the story. Yeah.
0: Like, I, I remember you were saying, like, why didn't Infinity War win? Like, that was, like, amazing. Like, Thanos yeah. looked great. And I'm like, well... As great as it is, you know it's a, a special effect. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, like, all that. Like, as much as Thanos looks like he's there, you know for a fact in your head that's a visual yeah. effect.
1: Yeah, but in First Man, I still probably couldn't point out to you every single VFX shot because most of them look practical.
0: They, I think, like, some of it were practical. Like how I think like, a lot of
1: it used miniatures, yeah.
0: Like, they used miniatures. They used, uh, like, how Christopher Nolan uses, like, like, for Interstellar, like, they used, right. like, actual... They built ships, and then they made, like, IMAX screens of what they were seeing and everything and it's great like it was barely used any CGI it felt Mm -hmm. and when it was like CG it looked amazing like when they're on the moon it looked like they were on the moon it's incredible
1: yeah, it's a it's a really authentic movie, even though its subject matter is so broad. And I think that's what's really impressive about it.
0: And a part of it, what helps with it being feeling so authentic is the fact that they're using, like, the documentary style of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like... Because I don't think there's ever a point... I mean, like, when they're launching into the space that you kind of see it from outside of the rocket. It's inside mm-hmm. of the cockpit where they're at, and the camera's just shaking and you hear everything you hear all the you feel like it's going to explode (laughs) and that they're going to die because you've seen ships
1: explode earlier in this movie
0: (laughs) yeah that too and it takes place in the 60s when this was like barely things were barely advancing to that point you know and so you're always kind of feeling on edge like that moment when um, before they go, not not before they go to the moon, but it's like at some point in the middle when they do they, they go on Gemini, and um, the entire time it's kind of filmed in his POV, and everything's shaking, all the walls are creaking, you hear like nails falling, even there is a fly even inside the cockpit, and like all those little details, yeah. it just feels like you're in a small atomic bomb. It's crazy. And the and like I don't know, like, I feel like it, it we haven't really seen that perspective at least when it comes to space movies. Like when it comes to space movies it's all about the spectacle and the awesome look of like and then there's definitely moments of that in this movie. Like when you see the moon and when you see like when they when they see the Gemini ship, but um yeah. It's more of like the terror of going into space and it's done really, really well. Definitely. Um, No, but yeah, I think this movie is very underrated because people gave it... People don't (laughs) dislike it. It was nominated for some Oscars and um, it got great reviews and from the friends that have seen it do like it a lot, but
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's really high... Like, especially when... You have made movies like Whiplash and La La Land. You're gonna have like high expectations for your next film, definitely. and it's a definitely it's it's as much as it is a different film, um, at least visually and tonally from all the movies. In terms of themes, they're similar. Like, what like of uh, what does it mean to have success? What how far are you willing to go? Like he's neglecting his family almost the entire movie not yeah. neglecting but he's very distant especially from his wife mm-hmm. because of the yeah, loss their relationship of his daughter. is
1: really 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 affected by uh by how hard he has to work to get yeah. to the moon.
0: yeah and so the great counterbalance of him being so so cut off from reality or like cut off from anything personal um there's his wife who is basically the emotional the emotional um how would you say She's the one that really brings in the emotion for the movie and for the audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah, the I great... think Claire
1: Foy serves as a really good um, kind of heart of the film.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, like
1: if Ryan Gosling is the backbone, she's kind of the heart.
0: For sure. Um, oh, definitely. That's a great way to put it. I think it. she
1: really deserves more recognition for that movie. Yeah.
0: And I think even Ryan, too. Like, he does, like, great, subtle twitches. He's really
1: subtle. It's it's one of the most subdued performances I've seen. hmm
0: and so I really dislike it when people say, "Oh, he's he's bad. Like he's bad at this movie. He's, like, all he does is stare, and he he doesn't say." And it's like, okay, but I think it's harder, in my opinion, to act subtle, and mm. to and then to just be all explosive. Like no offense to yeah, Leonardo I mean... DiCaprio, I love him, but early on, all he would do is yell and scream and pretend, like, "Oh, look at me! I'm an actor." Whereas Ryan, not just in this movie, but I believe like in a lot of his movies. He's yeah. very subtle and very laid back, and like just his eyes and just like the twitches that he does and the subtle things that he does with his hands or even like his movements, you get it. And I think yeah. that's like that's hard. I think to achieve.
1: big flashy performances are so much more entertaining, and they're they're more obvious, so they feel like those are the best performances. Mm-hmm. But subtle performances are way harder.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Um, and I'm not. I'm obviously not comparing myself to Ryan Gosling (laughs) but like all I'm saying is like in acting experience that I've had the performances where all I've had to do is run around and scream and be big like Mm -hmm. took no effort from me but those are the ones that people told me were my best performances Uh and you know it's a compliment it's nice but it sucks because I'm like that kind of sucks because I put a lot more work into this other performance that was much more subtle and subdued and Mm -hmm. quiet you know yeah that took a lot more of an emotional toll
0: yeah, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I, I yeah, a lot of it is underrated. The performances, the score. I love the score in this yes. movie. It's like a great harp of of his daughter's yes. theme. Do do do, do 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 It's a great, and then they use it again like in an epic way when he's landing on the moon. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great again, Justin Hurwitz. We haven't talked about Justin Hurwitz. Justin Hurwitz is freaking talented. How have we gone
1: through this whole episode not talked about Justin Hurwitz? He's an incredible composer. He's one of the best currently working composers there is. He's Damien Giselle's right-hand man. He's amazing. For
0: sure. Steven Spielberg, John Williams, right there. But, um... Yeah, yeah. The next Spielberg and John Williams. But, um... Yeah, Justin... Like, he could totally... Like, do you remember the score to Bohemian Rhapsody? Do you remember the score to Apollo thirteen? You know, like all these biopic movies. Yeah, you know they're what I mean. Really like not. they're they're kind of just basic and by the numbers. Here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're not like oh this is just a biopic. Let's just make whatever kind of music. Like they put effort into creating a theme for each moment and a character, and for each like especially at the end in the quarantine with the harp playing again. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, it's great. Like it's people really forget the power that music has especially for m- movies you know what I mean?
1: sometimes the best music is uh in a movie like this the one that isn't too noticeable yeah it's the one that feels like it is actually a part of the environment like it feels mm-hmm. like i'm not listening to music i'm hearing what the characters are feeling
0: yeah that's what music's supposed to be and not supposed to be like this is how you're supposed to feel feel sad it's just like this is <laughs> right. what the character is feeling and this is um just our musical way of expressing how they're feeling you know what i mean it's it, uh, it's it's great They it, it didn't overuse it i
1: think that's something that that morricone did well
0: there you go any morricone or any <laughs> morricone or any morricone
1: i think it's morricone
0: sir if we have butchered i know you are dead but we have if we have butchered your name, you have you can you can haunt us for you all can You can smite us down
1: from heaven. You can smite us we down from heaven, yes. Because you are a legend. Yes, amen. Um final rating for First
0: Man. Uh very underrated, amazing movie. It's not a total typical biopic. It's a movie that will stick with you and um very intimate, not by the numbers at all. Like you think it's gonna end with this great grandiose of them on the moon and anything and it's and it's not it's very very um almost sad
1: yeah the ending is him coming back home and reconnecting with his wife and they yeah. stare at each other and they don't say anything
0: is that at the end where he puts the flag on the moon and there's a great wide shot and then bam cut to black
1: yeah. it's
0: like the there's they're on the moon for 5 minutes in the movie
1: cuz really the journey <laughs> for him once he gets once he actually gets into space the journey is how to get back and like be with his wife again
0: that's it, yeah. And so yeah. it's yeah, amazing movie. I I would, overall I'd give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I think I would go eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We did it,
1: <sighs> Damien Chazelle.
0: Damien, you Daddy Chazelle, good man. You've done it again. <laughs> I cannot wait for Babylon. Um, let's see how that goes. If there, if that ever comes out.
1: If that ever <laughs> if movies still exist. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> Um, this
0: stupid pandemic needs to stop. So, yeah.
1: So, uh, before we take off, uh, what you've been watching this week, Sub?
0: Uh, yesterday I watched Woody Allen's Manhattan. Um, I know you I saw don't your like Letterbox Review. Yeah. And
1: I agree with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you probably didn't like it more than I did. I liked the movie, but because like I I I'm I'm someone that can separate the artist and the art like roman polanski terrible human being i absolutely love his movies the pianist is one of the our pianist one of the best movies ever made in my opinion uh i love chinatown same with uh, woody allen terrible human being he's a creep i absolutely adore annie hall midnight in paris is wonderful manhattan has moments that are great
1: has its moments
0: but holy crap that (laughs) love interest is not good it's creepy. Yeah. He's 42 I, in the movie. She's 17. The, what time the heck? time I watched
1: that movie, I just couldn't help but think that Woody Allen thinks he's so hot. I, I thought that too, because his ex-wife he, is
0: Meryl Streep. Yeah, like, he writes what? this
1: script that's basically all about like how much of a great ladies' man this character is. And then it's like, who's going to play the character, Woody? Oh, that'll be me.
0: Oh, like, okay, be I
1: wrote me. this character for myself. <laughs> Meryl Streep's my ex-wife.
0: Meryl Streep's my this ex-wife. Hot,
1: young chick wants me so bad like
0: it's and i'm having like like i'm gonna be with um diane keaton who's very pretty also but um right like oh yeah i forgot about diane keaton in that movie yeah they're great in the movie like like i said like besides that the whole thing with the young girl the whole thing that he's basically in a relationship with his friend's mistress i i thought it was great like i love the the writing of the movie obviously i love uh, the chemistry, the cinematography mm-hmm. was gorgeous. Um, I I think like on a, an episode or two, you were saying how you don't think I
1: mentioned I mentioned how I didn't love that it was in black and white. Cause yeah, I didn't feel like it needed to be.
0: I would have to disagree because um, I feel like what Woody Allen was trying to do was play was trying to pay an homage to how he viewed New York and the beauty of it sure. in black and white, like. I feel like black New York is not a very colorful city. I don't think There's
1: so. There's a lot of New York movies in black and white.
0: Yeah, like I can't picture Paris in black and white all that much. At least in certain areas, like I see Paris like with its great lights and colors, sure. uh, or even LA. But New York seems very much like, especially like the classic photos of like them building the Empire State Building, all that stuff. It's all in black and white. And it really captures the beauty within the grimy. And I think that's, yeah, that's what true. Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. Like especially the first five minutes of the movie. Great, great shots. Which he used again in Midnight in Paris with with uh, have you seen Midnight in yeah. Paris? I have, yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Love that movie. But um Yeah, Manhattan, uh I enjoy it, but that, that yeah. I can tell that he was so full of himself in this one and and yeah. again, that young love interest was not cute at all. I was oh, cringing the entire time. I'm like, this year. is not. This is weird. But overall, I'd give it a six out of ten. All so right. yeah, which is pretty high. But it's like, it could have easily been like a nine or even a ten, like I said in my Letterboxd review. Mm-hmm. But, oh well, that's too bad. What have you been seeing?
1: Well, I've been looking out for all, for new films on streaming and stuff, because um, yeah. I'm I'm, I need new movies so. I've been watching a lot of really good stuff. I would recommend Big Time Adolescence on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shirley on Hulu. Uh, Hulu's really killing it this year. Yeah. <laughs> Blow the Man Down and Miss Juneteenth are on Amazon. The Vast of Night is on Amazon. Relic, I saw it at Drive-In. It was fantastic. Nice. A lot of great uh, new kind of small movies coming out. Um, the one, the big one I would recommend, which is also on Hulu, and I would say is my my favorite uh New release of this year so far is actually a documentary called The Painter and the Thief. Oh, okay. I just want to, I really want to put that name out there because I feel like nobody's seeing it, but it's a really, really fascinating documentary about how this painter actually befriends a guy who stole one of her paintings. Whoa. And kind of helps him better his life. Okay. And they learn a lot from each other. It's really, it's really beautiful. Um, I was really excited to see it because, you know, 2020 has been a bummer of a year for movies, and I felt like
0: Certainly. I need
1: a great movie to call my favorite, you know? Um, I need something that, like, really is meaningful to me, and I I, f- I think I found it with this one.
0: Nice. Uh, so
1: I really recommend Painter and the Thief. Check that out on Hulu. Um, also, in the last two weeks, is for, like, old stuff, I finally got around to marathoning all of Jacques Tati's movies.
0: I haven't seen any of his movies. Are they good?
1: Yeah, Seb, I think you would really love them. They're really definitely up your alley. Exactly. Um, but I bought the Criterion Collection set, which is usually super expensive, so I couldn't get it before, but I finally found a great deal on it. Nice. So I watched all six of his feature films and a couple of his short films. He is definitely one of my favorite directors now. I hope we'll talk about him in a future episode, but he's Yeah, we'll really, see. He has really a fantastic. collection, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a Criterion Collection with every one of his uh, feature films. There's only six of them. Okay. Uh There's one in there called Mononcle, which might be my personal favorite, Mm -hmm. and I swear to God, I've never heard this before, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but I am 100% sure that it was, like, the biggest inspiration for Parasite, Mm -hmm. because the parallels are uncanny.
0: Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like, rich and poor and stuff?
1: Yeah, it's it's less dramatic than Parasite, but it's basically the exact same idea as a comedy, just as, like, a kind of absurdist comedy. Okay. Um... There's a lot of parallels both in the story and also just visually, like small little details, like um, the little kid in Parasite with the big Native American headdress mm-hmm. that's in Mononcle, stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah, super interesting. I really recommend it.
0: Oh, okay. I'll... Hopefully, in the future, I'll will try and yeah. check them out. Um, no, yeah, I, I did recently go to Barnes and Noble and got some Criterion movies. So I, yes. I I rewatched Being John Malkovich. Have you seen? Have you heard about that?
1: I, ha- I haven't uh, seen it yet. I want to. It's amazing. Because I love adaptations.
0: It's so weird, but it's great. That <laughs> yeah. one, um, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I bought that. Great mm-hmm. movie. Hopefully, we can talk about that another time. And Don't Look Now. Have you heard of the, about that one? A horror film? I don't know Nicholas Rogue. It's basically the original Hereditary. And that it's about the horrors of losing uh, a family member. And how, like... Um, it's basically in the beginning it has donald sutherland and julie christie and they lose their daughter she drowns in a pond or a river or something outside of the house and um the whole movie is basically about them just kind of trying to deal with it as they're both on a holiday in italy but also like there for work and mm-hmm. at some point two women who are psychics say i've seen your daughter you have no reason to be sad like well, and doesn't that doesn't like yeah you know what i mean and um it's basically just a psychological thriller of them dealing with it and it's one of the best edited movies i've seen but it's definitely it's both weird it's weird it's like it's of its time but it's still cool you know what i mean Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah overall i'd give it like eight out of ten or something
1: have you seen blithe spirit which one blithe spirit no it's a it's a movie based on an old Noel Coward play. It's a mm-hmm. kind of a similar concept but totally just as a comedy.
0: Oh really? I watched
1: it a couple of weeks ago, I think after our, we recorded the last one. It's so funny. Yeah. Um it's a really great kind of classical comedy, but it's yeah, it's about a guy who is just married to his new wife. They just get home from their honeymoon and then his ex-wife who died shows up as a ghost. That's
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Wait, that sounds um, great.
1: It's really funny. I re- I recommend it. It's on a it's on HBO Max.
0: Oh, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out when I can.
1: Uh, so, speaking of Hulu... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that we talked about Let's pretend ago. I was
1: talking about Hulu. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of Hulu, <laughs> another new movie that just came out and is kind of making a big splash right now is Palm Springs. Splash. So,
0: uh, uh, ah, pool. Oh, a pool pun. In that
1: movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've watched it twice now. Seb mm. uh, hasn't watched it yet, but... No. Uh, we are going to be talking about it in the next episode, and we're going to be giving our thoughts on Palm Springs and talking about our favorite rom-coms. Yes. Uh, so, we will see you then. Thanks for watching, everybody.
0: Yes. Thank you, guys. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, take care.
1: Bye-bye.